How can gay-straight alliances make schools more inclusive spaces for all? Today on the show, I speak with GSA advisor and coach James Podiger. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are Teaching Tomorrow. There is a lot happening in schools right now that put our LGBTQ students at risk. So I'm thrilled to get to share this conversation I have with James Podiger about his work with GSAs. James has been running a GSA at his school in Pennsylvania for the past two years, and he tells us the ways the Alliance have improved his school for all students. He talks about the role that GSAs play for young people in his school, and his own journey towards running this GSA, which is especially powerful to hear since he identifies as a straight, white, cisgender man with an evangelical background. His journey is surprising and gives us all hope for what can be possible. I left this conversation just feeling inspired and so deeply grateful for how people like James are making schools better for all learners. Let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with James Podiger. James, welcome to the Teaching Tomorrow podcast. I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you. So we're going to start. We're just going to dive right in. Tell us why GSAs are so important right now. Uh, GSAs are a really important thing. One of the, the data points that I always bring up in any conversation uh, for people that question it is the presence of one supportive adult in the life of an LGBTQ plus young person is able to lower the reports of Uh, attempts at suicide by 40%. And so if we're interested in helping young people, any young people, for this particular group, a GSA is probably the best way to go about doing that so that they can have a space where I don't like the, some of the debate around the word safe. It gets a little bit bogged down. Uh, I like to think of it as welcoming, that whether or not they feel safe to be there, they know that they're welcome to be there. And once they're welcome, we can work on safety. Like that can come in time, but I want them to be welcome to come through the door to be themselves. And then once they're there, we can address what is it that you need to help you feel safe, uh, whether or not that is uh, just a recognition and an affirmation of their identities, uh, if that is name being used that they would like to have in class, if they're transitioning, uh, pronouns, those types of things. But The GSA really is kind of the incubator for all of those conversations to start. It gives students that frequently are marginalized and they're underrepresented to a a really tragic level, a space where they can come. They know they have a supportive adult in the room that is there because I want to hear those things from them. Uh, I think there is a a huge need to listen to these students. Uh, Nobody knows what LGBTQ plus kids need better than themselves. And so just giving them an environment where they can have that conversation, where they can really initiate the change and take ownership over that gives them a sense of belonging in a school where unfortunately so many of them just haven't felt welcome over the years. And so that I think is the the importance of the GSA, uh, of some of the benefits that we know that they can provide and the discussions that we're able to facilitate. The GSA that I advise is now two years young. And already we've made a number of changes to the school that uh, I always highlight to the students. Anytime we hit an obstacle, uh, then it comes back to you know, celebrate the successes that we've had because there are so many of them already. 
So I think that's really the, the kind of in a nutshell fundamental importance of the GSA. Can you share some of those successes that you've had with your students? Like, I want to hear what you tell your students when they're having a hard day. Like, what are the things you remind them of? Oh, sure. Just the fact that we got approved in the first place mm. was our, our first big success. And I always go back to like, that's the first thing that enabled anything else. But when we began the process, um, it wasn't a done deal. I teach in a very small community. It's not a not anywhere that you would describe as progressive or liberal, but it is a place where it's accepting. And we really capitalized on that, that that kind of small town acceptance of each other really played in our favor. But getting the GSA started, going through the approval process was a major win. Uh, We also have uh, a homecoming king and queen, which we are attempting to move into homecoming royalty right now to get the gender away from it. But one thing that we did get done is the past process was the school would just pull out the registration forms and go, well, here's all the girls and that's who's up for homecoming queen. And we have some trans students that were on that list that didn't want to be. We had some trans students that were not on that list that did want to be. And we were able to go to the administration and the students came up with, why can't we have an opt in to let the students decide, do you want to even be part of this? And it was welcome, not just from the GSA kids, but also from other students that just had kind of anxiety. I don't want to be up for election. I don't want to have my name on a paper and not get any votes. And so one of the other major benefits that GSA brings is that it opens up these conversations and then other people can pile on and join in for their part in it. It's not just about benefiting the LGBTQ plus kids. It's certainly about them, but other kids get some sort of like ride along benefits. Once you start changing practices, you can have that conversation with an anxious kid that goes, well, I don't want to be in it. So why do Mm -hmm. I have to be and go, well, you don't then just tell us and we'll take you off the list too. So we made that change. Uh, Admin got on board and said, sure, we'll do that for prom this year. And prom was just a couple of weeks ago for us. Uh, We had a non-binary student that said they would like to be up for, uh, for prom court and they were chosen as the prom prince. And the students all cheered and it was this great moment of just acceptance and inclusion that wouldn't have been able to happen without the club making that suggestion. Uh, And again, it goes back to the kids know what the issues are and it's about giving them a space where they can start that conversation. And then the adults that are willing to listen, the adults that are willing to make some changes that really have no consequence. I mean, who does it hurt? Who's on the homecoming list or the prom list? But it it enabled the students to have some ownership over it, to take some pride in making a change. So that was a big one that just took place. That's Um, huge. That's huge. We've also had a lot of just conversations around pronouns. Um, Mm -hmm. I I had conversations with students before, but it has spread out to other classrooms. Once once the students were able to come out in my room, then they started having that expectation, which let's face it, they should that other teachers were going to be able to start making some of those adjustments and using their name that they would like to be called, using their pronouns that they want. And that was another big change that has happened of teachers just asking what are their pronouns, um, us being sent some information. Uh, We had a student that came back to the district and the email that was sent to us was, the student's returning, here are the pronouns that they want to use. And I'm like, that never happened until this year, where now that conversation is going on. And there's just an awareness about it that didn't exist up until now. 
So those are some of the big changes of we're using pronouns, we're asking for names. I've been on a mission to get the office to stop dead naming kids over the announcements that that is finally starting to make some headway. Yeah. Um, fortunately for us, and it's one of those fortunate for us, but unfortunate for the kids, um, the kids are ready for this. And we have a very understanding group of students that they were, they were happy to see acceptance anywhere. And they just sort of, you know, rolled their eyes whenever someone would screw up, but there has been a huge amount of grace. And that's something that's enabled me whenever I'm talking to colleagues to say like, you know, they're understanding, like they want you to try. And if you screw up, mistakes happen, but then we correct them. And that's a great teachable moment for kids that nobody's going to be perfect, but it really is about, you know, their hearts in the right place. They're trying to do right by this. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about the singular they this year, and some people are really starting to come around to, okay, you know, I understand I've used singular they all the time. Whenever I didn't know, I would just say they left their cell phone somewhere. And we've all done that. But those are some of the successes. You know, you've got names, you've got pronouns. We have the homecoming court change that's happened. And once you begin that momentum, anytime we come up to an obstacle and they say, well, do you think the school would go for this? I'm like, I didn't think the school would go for all of these things. But if you don't ask, then unfortunately, that's kind of on us. If you do ask and they say no, well, now it's on them. And I always go back. I, I'm a big fan of James Baldwin. And I always remind the students that not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. So if you want to change it, you take on the battle and sometimes you lose, but if it's a battle you believe in, then it's worth taking on. And that was something that I really had to buy into personally when we started this, that I believed in the GSA and I wanted it to be there. And I did have a couple of people that said to me, well, what if they say no? I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, then that's them. I can't control what other people do, but I have to try this. You know, these kids want it. These kids need it. So I'll, uh, I'll go out there and be part of this fight to make it happen. And here we are. So I don't think there's any change that we've made that whenever we started it, we thought, oh, this is a slam dunk. Mm. There has always been that trepidation of what if they say no? And now that we've had some, like, it's a lot easier to say, well, we thought that about this. Yeah. And we asked. And what if they say yes? Like, that is the amazing thing. Like, you never know what will happen until you start asking the questions and until you start petitioning and, you know, getting out there and trying to make something happen. What if they say yes? And you really find out, I mean, you find out how much are people willing to say no. I mean, there's some people that probably wanted to, but are they willing to publicly take that stand and say, no, we're not going to do that when now everyone's going to know. So we were, we were very fortunate that we got through before the current wave of opposition across mm-hmm. the country happened uh, because we began the approval process in 2019 in the fall. Uh, back in the before times, as mm. I'm sure all of us are calling them now. Mm-hmm. But we got in at a very good time. Now that the club is there, uh, it would be it would be very difficult to unwind that. And so establishing it really was that first big accomplishment that we could kind of hang our hat on. 
and then get to work doing other things. Ugh, I have like shivers hearing those stories and those anecdotes about your students and how just by getting it in place seems huge right now. Like just to have something like that for your students. I think maybe it's worthwhile to rewind a little bit because I don't know if everyone listening even knows what GSA even stands for. And maybe we should have started with this because some schools call them gay straight alliances. Some people call them gender sexuality alliance. How, like, what do your students understand GSA to mean in your context? Uh, ours is a gay straight alliance. And that's the terminology that the students wanted whenever they, they started the approval process, they asked for that. Uh, we did have that conversation about, do you want gay straight? Do you want gender sexuality? And they, they said now they wanted gay straight alliance. So that's the, the verbiage that we went with. Um, their understanding of what GSA is, is anyone is welcome there. Um, there was some initial talk about, is this just going to be as they would refer to it? Is this just the gay kids club? And I'm like, well, no, that's not the idea. And uh, just some background for myself. I'm a straight cisgendered white guy. And so being in the, the club, like that's something that I really wanted to kind of help send out the message that it's not just for, for gay or trans or non-binary kids. It really is for everybody. And we do have uh, a variety of students that uh, have different identities that come to the club, uh, but it is a place for anyone, whatever their identity is, to come and be accepted uh, for who they are, to be recognized for their value that they bring to the, to the school, uh, for their insight, for their worth just as a human being. Uh, those basic fundamental things that many people that look much more like me get to take for granted that these kids don't. And so for them, it is, um, it's a lot of supportive lunch meetings. Uh, we meet every Friday and it is just a fun lunch where they'll have their phones out and they're sending memes back and forth and uh, they're checking whether it's a bones or no bones day. Oh my and, God. I love that kids do that too. That's so good. Oh, so many little things about TikTok. I'm like, is this just for my demographic? That makes me so happy. <laughs> now they were doing that. Um, but it's also something that I really enjoy. Uh, I, I do think if you work with young people, they do help you stay young. So, uh, they'll, they'll get me involved to find out what are my controversial opinions about Taylor Swift or something, or <laughs> like, you know, which member of one direction do I, do I happen to, to think is the best one, which I don't really have a strong take on that one, which shocks them. Uh, <laughs> but we have those supportive fun lunch meetings where it's just a place for them to let loose and enjoy those parts of like youth culture that maybe some of their classmates don't get because there, there is that youth culture where you have some, you know, parts of the internet where are more welcoming. They get to bring that and have a real life version of it in the school with each other. Um, they also look at GSA that, like I said, we've generated a lot of conversation. So GSA is a place where they can come to the officers. They can come to me and say, hey, this thing's going on. I don't think that's right. Is there anything we can do about that? Uh, or it's also a place where sometimes there's a practice that's in place that um, they don't quite understand and they can come in as the advisor. I can tell them, well, this is why that practice happens. Um, one kind of funny one that came up was we had a student that they, uh, they were absent and one of their classmates went to a teacher and said, uh, they're absent today. And the teacher said, okay, who? And they're like, they are I'm like, yeah, but I need a name here. And the student didn't know how to refer to their classmate outside of pronoun. And we're like, well, yeah, but you have to use their name. Like you have to be able to say the person's name and then the teacher will know who you're talking about. Like, 
oh, I was just like, I wanted to make sure I got their pronouns right. Like, yeah, and much appreciated. Great. Uh, but your teacher doesn't have a they spot on their roster. So it is a place where they can come for, hey, this didn't make any sense. And sometimes <laughs> I can help them make sense of something. Or they come and they go, well, this didn't make any sense. And I go, yeah, you're spot on. That doesn't make any sense. Let's see what we can do to work yeah. on that. Um, so it's a place where they can facilitate that conversation. They can initiate a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I think is really just going back to that supportive adult that, that I'm there. Um, they know they've got some support from me. They know that whatever they bring in is going to be treated with the respect that it deserves, that there's not going to be judgment coming towards them. Um, it really is a, a piece of that mental health issue that so many schools are struggling with right now. And with this population of students, that struggle has been going on for so long that it has really hit um, a lot of them quite hard over lockdown and over um, COVID quarantining and things like that. So it's a place where they know they can come in and say, you know, I'm having some trouble and I'm struggling with something and I'm certainly not going to be their, their therapist, but I have places that I can connect them with. Uh, we have a student assistance team that I can take them to. Um, one thing that we have been able to really, as the GSA help out was we, we had a pride day earlier in the year and our school year is going to be done by June. So you know, we're all very thankful about that uh, as we, we stare down those, those last days we've reached single digits. But part of the pride day was I bought pins and sent out an email to any of the teachers that said, if you want one, and they're just little rainbow pins, but if you want one, let me know and I'll get you one. So that now they know they've got teachers that they're willing to wear that pin as I'm a safe adult to come out to. I'm a safe adult to go to. Uh, and some of our student assistance team are those teachers. So it, it gets the students a, a bit more comfort that they can come to me. And if I do refer them to student assistance, that they're going to be going to people that are safe adults there too. Mm. That it's not going to be you come to me and if I send you somewhere else, that that's the great unknown and you could face any type of treatment or judgment there that you really shouldn't have to put up with. Um, but just sending out that positive message is, is what they understand the GSA to be, that they can come there, they can have fun, they can come there for support. Uh, that they can come there to get connected with help if they need something. If it's, if it's typical high school stuff, I am all ears. I am perfectly happy to listen to um, whatever great calamity has befallen Teenage America. Um, I remember what great calamities befell me when I was part of Teenage America, which is longer ago than I think I like to, uh, to ponder at this point. But those types of issues, it, uh, it is a place where they can, can deal with that. I think part of part of what the GSA really does give the students a place is where they can enjoy those high school things. And they don't have to put that off until later in life where they might find a more supportive environment. Um, I, I hate seeing some of the, some of the graduates that we have that they're in their twenties and they're going through things that I went through when I was in high school, because I could go through the, the high school relationship stuff when I was in high school and for the queer and trans kids, like, they don't get that opportunity because they can't come out. They can't be, they can't be known to the, the student body the way that some of their other classmates can. So I think the GSA, hopefully, as we grow, facilitates that environment where all high school kids get to be high school kids. And I think part of the joy of high school is that you, you get to make some of those mistakes. You get to learn some of those lessons at a developmentally appropriate age. And then you can 
move on with your life and you know make better decisions down the road or you know learn from those uh, mistakes in the past so that i think is to the gsa what what it is to them uh, and how they approach it what they've brought to it and really that's that's kind of the individual characteristics that every gsa will have is just the membership kind of gives it its own character mm. so currently that's what it is uh, for my school but uh, as we have students that graduate and move on uh, they'll be replaced by eighth graders that are incoming and they'll have their own their own character qualities they'll bring their own dimensions to this group and it will it will be a bit of a chameleon as time goes on but i think that's part of the beauty of it because then the conversations are going to change to update just in real time as those students bring new needs into the group and then we can make further changes so that hopefully uh, you don't fall quite so far behind the way that schools really were caught flat-footed um, by this generation um, it it blew some of their minds because i i asked them the recent survey that came out that 20 percent of gen z adults identify as lgbt and i asked the students what they thought that number was some of my students thought it was like 60 percent hmm. i'm like well that's probably your world like mm -hmm. you're probably living in a world where yeah you're thinking like oh this has to be like almost two-thirds of people and i think as more of the gen z students reach adulthood that 20 percent is it's going up we're going to see that number rise but i don't think schools were quite prepared for that you know i'm yeah i'm a i'm a millennial and you know i'll own that one but i remember when people freaked out when that survey came out and it was 10 percent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now it's 20 percent, and uh it's being kind of met with a shoulder shrug especially by the kids like they don't they're shocked it's that low i mean my wife and i joke that we think when our kids are of the age, they will just be like, yeah, no labels don't matter. Like last week I was bi, but this week I'm gay. And maybe tomorrow I'll be this other thing. Like, I think that every generation kind of finds their own way to redefine and understand themselves. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was a big deal to be gay and be, to be out. And now it like, it seems like it's more about like kids really trying to understand where they fit on the gender spectrum. And I think like 20 years from now, it'll just be like, there are no, maybe there'll just be no labels. Like people just throw them all up into the air. Like it's amazing how we can't anticipate what the next iteration will be or how young people will come to understand themselves. That is a, a big conversation I've had with a lot of the students whenever they're like, I don't feel like a label fits. Yeah. And that, that talk has happened a lot with students where it's a, a conversation about why does the label matter? And they want that label, but our current labels just are not adding up for this generation. And I, I, there is a real frustration with them that they don't have verbiage that feels like it makes sense to them yeah. and that, that it really matches who they are. Um, it, was, it was really interesting on the day that we had our pride day, a lot of the students brought their flags to school and they were wearing them down the hallway. And there were a couple of my colleagues standing out there like, what is that one? I'm like, oh, there goes Demi boy, there's Demi girl. <laughs> And they're like, what does any of this stuff mean? Mm -hmm. So like, that was a big conversation on the teacher side of things of what these different things are, what these different identities mean yeah. to them. And that the students really are, they're, they're at that inflection point where, like you said, like, will the labels matter? Will they even want labels? And personally, my advice, I've always told the students if, if they're struggling with that, like, are you comfortable being you? Is your discomfort around 
your identity or is your discomfort around the word to describe your identity? Because those are really two separate things. And most of them, it's the discomfort around the word Mm -hmm. and trying to grapple with how our language is causing a problem for these kids in a way that it doesn't really need to. Um, I always tell the students, you, you just have to be you. And if the label queer is something you're okay with, then use that as an umbrella for right now. You know, don't stress yourself out over a label that really you're trying to come up with a label to tell me what you are. And but that's I'm part of it too. Like, I think that the label helps other people understand it. Like that, I think is the value of a label. If there's any value in it, it's so other people can understand a small part of us. I think that's the only thing. Yeah. And it's, it is so, it's so frustrating to see people that are not and people that don't understand who these students are and haven't really worked with them or have just really never thought about it, never had that conversation. There's, there's just a lot of people that um, they come to this from a place of ignorance, not from maliciousness, but just from, they have no clue Mm -hmm. what these students are talking about. And then it becomes the students feel like they owe it to us. And I think that's a huge problem that, that they shouldn't have to deal with. Um, I don't, I don't need a label. As long as the students are happy with who they are, as long as the students can navigate their identity and to their own satisfaction, to their own joy and their own happiness, the label, if it's for me, I don't need a label. Mm -hmm. You're you. Mm -hmm. And that's all I want to be is you. Um, However you describe yourself to me, uh, the conversation right now about whenever, whenever uh, trans kids tell you who they are, believe them, you know, applying that to all of them, just you're you and however you would like to describe yourself, I'll believe you. I'll roll with it. Uh, I don't, I don't ask a whole lot of questions uh, outside of, you know, the, the, just the important ones that we have to, are you safe Mm -hmm. or is there some risk here that I need to be concerned about? But just for their identities, it it really is a a frustration that I see. So I, I do think uh, you're right about where this is heading is a very interesting one and Mm. the kids are ready for it. I'm just not sure that the adults are. No, that's always the, that's always the problem. I want to talk about you now. I want to go into your own story because you are (laughs) what I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think you are not the most likely individual to be running a GSA. You have a very evangelical background. Like you said, you're a straight white cis dude. Tell me your story. I want to like go all the way back to like little James. What was school like for you? I'm guessing that probably there wasn't a lot of like GSA support in your millennial childhood like mine, but how did you end up running a GSA? Um, well, my family background, like you mentioned, is I grew up in a very conservative evangelical house. Um, the church was open. We were there. Um, and that was my background until I really got to high school. And that's where things began to change because my GSA students asked, did, did my school have a GSA? And I always joke with them, we didn't have a GSA, we had a drama club. And I said, it basically like that would have been, that was the circle. Like the Venn diagram is just a circle, they completely overlap. But for me, that was the, the place where I started to kind of personally notice some things about the people that were around me, where part of my life, I'm going to a place where I'm being told that LGBTQ people are dangerous, that there's something wrong with them. And the other part of my life, I'm going to a place that is populated by 
a pretty diverse group of LGBTQ people. And they are the most accepting, most wonderful people that I had ever been around. Amongst each other, they were mostly out. Uh, there were a few that remained closeted. And there are a couple that since high school, um, I actually just a, a few weeks ago got a friend request online on social media. And I had to reach out to one of my other friends. And I said, like, who's this person? It says that she went to school with us. And I don't remember her at all. Like, I mean, my school, I graduated with about 300 people. So I didn't know all of them that well. I'm like, this, I just have no recollection. And my friend responded back and said, oh, uh, you would have known her before her transition. And I was like, oh, and then I looked back and like, yep, now it makes sense. So we, we did have a number of students that um, were gay, were trans, and they were not out and since then have. But there was a number uh, within the drama club that they were out. People knew who they were. Um, so that was something that was evident. There wasn't a guessing game with, with a large enough number of them. It wasn't just one or two that you knew they were gay. Um, they were having relationships the same way that we were. Um, outside the group, it was much more hush-hush. And I think that was an important experience that I use a lot with GSA whenever, when kids do come out. And then the follow-up question is, you know, would you like this shared with anyone else? Is this just you and me? Is this just you and your class? Is this the whole school? Like getting the parameters of what comfort level they have is always really important. Because I know that was really important to my friends in high school. Like how far does this go? Um, but no, we did have a number of them. And that was just something that started to stand out to me as, you know, there were some tough times in high school and, you know, certainly other people had it far worse. I mean, I grew up in a, a very suburban middle-class school, like we didn't really face a, a ton of problems, um, you know, typical family things, that kind of stuff. But anytime that I needed support, it was always my friends. And we did have one teacher and he was not out until we graduated. Uh, he made it a point to not come out to anyone because he didn't want any of the problems from parents. And that is the one place where I can say it, it, it unfortunately did prevent him from sharing who he was with us until we graduated. Once we graduated, anyone that had been around long enough, he would pull aside and just let them know. Um, we got invited to cookouts and things that uh, he would have some drama club get togethers. And, and he just let us know if, that if you do show up, um, my partner's there. And if that's a problem, then unfortunately, you're not going to be able to come out because that's a non-negotiable. Um, but he did, he did a lot for me whenever I was going through family things or you know, going through, of course, the typical girlfriend drama and things whenever I was in high school. Uh, and he was always there and he always was open to listening and always had, you know, support in mind. And then I'm going back to my family life and I'm hearing, you know, people like him are bad. And then I'm going to school and I'm thinking, no, he's like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Like this supportive mm. teacher is wonderful for me and for everything I need. And it just, that dichotomy, I couldn't, make any sense of it. Um, but I did end up whenever I went to college, um, I went to Liberty University, which is the, I'm sure, notorious school that everyone knows. We don't have to spend a lot of time on what they are, but uh, I was class president whenever I was there. Um, I did meet Jerry on a number of occasions, shook his hand. We had a number of conversations uh, with each other. Um, but as I was there, I uh, I actually had my mother 
was involved in a, a surgery that went very far sideways and we nearly lost her. And it stood out to me that whenever I was dealing with family problems, the, the school was very non-supportive about any type of grace, any type of leeway. I mean, I was back and forth from about six hours away all the time. And there was just no concern. There was no care coming from that part of the world. And that was really the straw that just kind of broke me. And I think part of why I'm interested in the GSA and part of why, you know, I'm doing the work that I'm doing now around trying to help other people start them is anyone can do this work. If you have the type of mentality, like no, nothing is preventing you from taking that hard look in the mirror and really reckoning with, do you believe all of this stuff? You know, do you really believe the things that you're being said, that you're being fed, or are you just going along with that because that's what you've always been around? And for a long time in my youth, that's what it was. I went along with it because that's what I had always been around. And then I started to encounter people that were out. I started to really question how I was treated by them versus how I was treated by these people that claimed they cared so much. And it just really, I couldn't maintain the facade anymore. And there were a number of moments that kind of added up. There are a number of key people that were in my life, um, some very valuable friends that I still have today uh, that I've been able to have some really wonderful conversations with them, um, go back and have the conversations about, you know, whenever I was in high school with you, some of the things that happened and making amends with people and having those conversations that they were tough, but they were so necessary. And now that we're past that, you know, they've really formed kind of that great support network for me. And we do like to share a laugh about how the, the former class president at Liberty University is now advising a GSA that it really is kind of a, a crazy journey that, you know, 20 years ago, sitting in college, no one would have thought this is where I was going to end up. But I think you have to find something that you really can value that you really buy into. And I never really bought into that. It was just what I was around. But I started to see the, the political trends. I started to see the religious trends going on. Um, at least, at least every couple of weeks I hear from my mother, whenever something will happen in the news and she's gone through her own journey, uh, that she would have to tell you about that one. But there have been a number of times where she'll call and she'll be like, if only somebody had told me like, this is where things were going 15 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, if only someone would have told you that mm. this is where things were going, because I think being the closer you got to the center of that universe, the more you saw where it was going years before it became much more evident. And I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm any sort of like clairvoyant that could figure that out. I just happened to be in an environment where you saw it before the rest of the world really got to see what that world was becoming, what that world was all about. And I really enjoy the work that I do with my GSA kids. Um, I really value that work. I think it's important work. I think it's essential for them, but it really is the kind of culmination of this personal journey that I had from, you know, those kind of two separate worlds and sort of personally reckoning with which one of them do you want to be a part of? Which one of them is more accepting? Wow. And for me, even though, you know, I, I don't have a letter, I, I don't get any of the colors of the rainbow. That's, 
not my identity, but the community has always been so supportive of me just because they embrace that value. I think people that haven't been accepted know the value of acceptance more than anybody else. And that's something they extended to me uh, long before I was personally extending it back to them. And so this is, uh, this is where I have ended up. It is where I'm most happy at mm-hmm. my job. Um, I, uh, I think being a, a social studies teacher, I always was interested in like dates and different things. So one thing I did years ago was find like, who are my birthday buddies? Who celebrated their birthday the same day as me? It was just like a personal thing I always wanted to know. And my favorite birthday buddy that I had was John Lewis um, from Georgia, the representative. And I always loved his comment about making good trouble. Mm. And I think advising the GSA right now, this is my good trouble. I have one more question for you before we transition to the ticket out the door. Just hearing you talk about that first affinity space of the drama group, the drama class, the drama club, whatever it is for young people. Now, where there's way more restrictions on schools being able to have GSAs. Do you think like those kinds of spaces are a subversive way to achieve the same goals as a GSA when they're not officially allowed on paper? Like things like a drama club or things like a book club, what are ways that teachers could be subversive and still achieve the same ends? Oh, subversive is one of my favorite words. Um, (laughs) uh, I think the best thing that you can do is make it known. Uh, the, the little pins that we wear is a visible sign to students that we are safe people to talk to. And I think that is on an individual level, uh, a great thing that you can do that if you have no group whatsoever, if you're able to have some type of sign, if you're able to have something in the class that acknowledges inclusivity in your curriculum, whether that's a book in a literature course or uh, acknowledging uh, Jane Adams always shows up in one of my classes and I always include stories about her relationship with her partner that she had that the book erases this, but we don't have to. Those types of things in lessons that you can do, I think are very valuable for students. Uh, if you do have some type of group, uh, I, I really think the GSA is the best way to go about it because it is obvious. It is clear what GSA is for. Like We are not putting on a musical in March every year. That's what Drama Club does. But if you don't have a GSA, and unfortunately right now only nine states in the District of Columbia actually have a majority of their secondary schools with a GSA. In Pennsylvania, it's about 40% have a GSA in their secondary schools. So there are so many kids that are in schools that don't have one of these. I think if you do have a club that just naturally has kind of pulled together a large number of queer, trans, non-binary kids, then allowing that space to be a supportive environment for those kids, the way the drama club was uh, for many classmates that I had in school. If that's the best you can do, then we always need to do the best that we can do for kids. And I think they can fill that role. um, Even if it's not as good as an official GSA could, then I think using those spaces, whether it's a drama club, the choir, uh, the band, if you have a, a language-oriented uh, group that you've pulled together, a group of students, and you happen to notice that you're working with a lot of students of diverse identities, then acknowledging that and making it something that the group can you know, use as a strength, uh, I think is a, a best practice that in the absence of a GSA, 
they can help to fill that void. But I think the ultimate would be to get a GSA there. And I, I think the, the reaction against some of these, these spaces where students have gotten themselves into where they have those welcoming things, uh, Florida is certainly kind of ground zero for this battle right now. And one of those nine states that has a GSA in over half their schools is Florida. So having these things is not going to be the bulwark that you're not going to face opposition. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that I, why I say this isn't for everybody, because you're, you're going to have to have, you know, the, the British stiff upper lip. You're going to have to be a little bit resolute. You're going to be somebody that has to have a little bit of tenacity and is willing to, at times, stand in the breach and take on some opposition. Uh, I don't know that there's a single GSA that, that hasn't faced some opposition from somewhere. But if you're willing to do that, I think those are the best things that we can do. And when you start it, you'll get that blowback. I think Florida having Florida being one of the states that has a better ratio of GSAs across the state, but yet they're still facing these types of really let's, I mean, let's call them bigoted laws because that's what they are. You're going to face it. Uh, it's, it's not just Mississippi where it's only 15% of schools that Florida is over 50% and they're still facing this type of opposition. So personally, I, I like the John Stewart quote about short-term pessimist, long-term optimist. Hmm. And I think keeping that long-term effect, that long view in, in mind always helps whenever you're dealing with something in the now, when we were facing those obstacles, when we didn't know the GSA would be founded, when over the course of the year, we faced some obstacles that maybe the GSA wouldn't survive, keeping in mind that we've been through these battles in the short term before, and we've come out in a better place. So we'll face the next battle and we'll come out in a better place, but it takes that commitment. It takes that tenacity. It takes that willingness that you're going to stick to this. You might face a couple of losses, but as long as you're fighting for something you believe in, then I'm still going to be here. The students that are willing to take that on, I will support them all through this. That's the, the role of advisor. Uh, I'll be their sounding board for anything, any struggles they're facing, but I do think that's the, the ultimate would be to get the GSA, but just with the realization that it's not a panacea, it's not going to be a fix-all. It will bring about yeah. some blowback on you, but as long as you have kind of a supportive environment around you, whether that's colleagues, parents, you know, friends, coaches I mean, the, like you, yes. like not to interrupt you, but I think that that's an important ingredient that like, you don't have to do this alone. And like you, I imagine would be so good at holding people's hands through that. Yeah, I've, that's actually what over the course of this year, one of the, one of the things I think as we talk a lot about teacher burnout uh, and how many teachers are leaving the profession, uh, one thing that really resonated with me was how much this work really kind of fueled me again to get back in to kind of yeah. loving education, that the social studies curricular side of things. And, you know, there were so many things mounting up with COVID and lockdowns and closures and you know, we were shut down for a while and that was just a big struggle, but the GSA kind of kept me going that that was the thing that I loved showing up for. I loved being there for those kids and knowing that that was important for them. And so, yeah, that is something that I, I really enjoyed. And, you know, as part of getting my coaching certification to try and move into that space that there are other GSA advisors, if they need some support that I'm here to support the existing clubs, uh, that I would love to work with people that are interested in taking this role on, you know, we have the, the vast majority of schools in the country do not have one of these things. And they are so important. 
And like I said, every GSA will take on the character of its students. So the GSA at my school is not going to be the GSA that your school has, but your school found the GSA that it needs because those students are going to feed into it what they want, what they would like to see happen. Uh, So, Mm you know, working with people that are interested in starting a GSA to create a more inclusive environment for that group of students, they know that group of students. I don't, but I've been down this road of starting it. I've been down the road of kind of getting the ball rolling and helping other people that are interested in doing that is something that over the course of this process just became something very meaningful to me. And I did certainly fall into that trap a number of times of, you know, we all kind of think, well, everyone knows this because we know this. And it's a constant reminder of, no, not everybody knows this. Like we all kind of do our own thing. We all have our little magical touch that we can put onto some aspect of education. And this is the one that I've found. This is the thing that I'm incredibly passionate about. Uh, and yeah, it might be a strange journey that I took to get here, but here I am. And I think and- that that makes it even more valuable to be honest, because you understand how many people would see this and you've gone through such a process yourself. So I think that you are, it is so important that as an ally, you are doing this work and that you are putting yourself in the way. And I think that it's really clear that you really know what you're talking about. So there's a, there's a link in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they can, and you've very generously offered us a discount code for people who are listening. I hope everyone finds you and at the very least follows you on Instagram, because I love everything that you're posting. And I'm like, furiously liking all your stuff. I'm so glad that people like you exist in the world. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for the opportunity to come on here and talk a little bit about it and hope to uh, reach some more people and help them find a bit of a passion to create a bit of more of an inclusive environment for their students so that they can understand how much of a joy that has been for me for themselves. Mm. Are we ready to do the ticket out the door? I I think I'm as ready as I will ever be. <laughs> Stretch, I, do your I have, calisthenics. I have thoughts and I'm happy to share them. <laughs> okay. Something you're grateful for right now. Uh, I would say my friends, uh, it's been such a challenging year and, you know, having, having my girlfriend as I can always come home and I know that she's here and she's willing to listen to that. Um, a couple of my friends who I'm sure will listen to this and I will text them to listen to the end and make sure that they hear it. But that has been the biggest thing this year is just that Mm. I've got some support around me and I know not every teacher is fortunate enough to have those types of things. So what I'm incredibly grateful for right now would be just my friends, my support network around me has been incredibly meaningful uh, to get me through, uh, not just this year, but the last two or three have been tough. Yeah. I know for a lot of us. So that's what I'm grateful for. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning. Check my phone. I'm, I'm as bad as the kids, <laughs> maybe even worse. Last thing you do before you go to bed. I set the sleep timer on the TV because I'm awful and I like to have noise to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. What do you listen to while you're falling asleep? Like news, something white noisy. What is your fall asleep vibe? I love sports. I'm a big mm-hmm. sports fan. So we, we turn on some sports and right now it's the, the NHL hockey playoffs. So yeah. What is a controversial opinion you have about Taylor Swift? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, amongst my students, they will tell you, I cannot stand anything she did. Country Taylor Swift is not my Taylor Swift. So starting about red, that's when things become great. I've got a whole playlist. It's 22. We are never getting back together. Like all of those things. That's my Taylor Swift. Pop Taylor Swift is 
my Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, what's the most recent TV show you binged and loved? Only Murders in the Building. Mm, yes. Pie or cake? Oh, oh I, there's so many there. I, I would have to say cake. There are a lot of really great pies, but chocolate and peanut butter in a cake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beecher Mountains. Mountains, that's the easiest one. Spring or fall? Oh, man. Fall. I love college football. Yeah. You are starting a podcast. Who would be your first three guests? I would say James Baldwin would be would be one. I I love as a fellow James. Uh, I I find him very challenging, but worthwhile. I love contemplating a lot of the things that he wrote about. So James Baldwin. Um, I say John Lewis. I would have to get my birthday buddy on there, and um, Betty White mm. would be one. I. I'm a massive Golden Girls fan and she's one that I love to highlight um, just how inclusive the Golden Girls were at the time and the work that she did whenever she was confronted that, you know, networks didn't want, didn't want people of color, didn't want queer people on their shows and that she went out of her way to schedule more just despite them. Mm -hmm. I, I think, uh, I think she would be an interesting conversation about positivity and optimism that she always had a, a positive outlook. So I'd love to talk to, to those three for, for those three reasons. Totally agree. Final question that I ask everybody, what do you think is the future of learning? I think it's heavily diverse. I think that's the, the biggest thing that we are heading towards as a, as a society, the ability to really harness the different resources available to us and kind of tailor what education is for the needs of someone. I think that's the biggest challenge that we face right now that we don't, we can't have cookie cutter schools anymore. And with the technology, I see schools going in a very, a very diverse direction um, where students are able to kind of tailor things to their needs. And that is probably equal parts exciting and terrifying about what is what is the future going to be? I, I think a lot and I talk a lot with my students about how I remember when the internet was going to cure all the world's problems. And now we're kind of in a world where we all think it's, it is creating the world's problems. So I am not foolhardy enough to think that I can predict the future, but that would be my best guess right now today that school is heading for a very diverse direction, whether or not it likes it and whether or not it's ready for it. I'm so grateful that you are doing the work that you're doing and that you're now my new internet friend and that you're just really obviously making the world a better place with the work that you're doing. So thank you for chatting today. Well, thank you for having me and I appreciate you saying that. Oh, wasn't that just the best? You can find James on Instagram at actinpa, that's spelled A-C-T-I-N-P-A. And you can find links to his consulting page on the show notes for this episode, or you can just locate them through Instagram. And while you're over there on the IG following James, go give at teaching underscore tomorrow a follow so you can hear about the latest podcast releases, learn more about me, the host of this podcast, and get some of the behind the scenes of teaching tomorrow. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep doing the work. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.